we always said that we'd build a kind of the bare bones of a system and improve it based on, on client needs. And that works really well. We've got some, some great partnerships with people who really were invested in the product as well. That's my guest on today's show, Justin Gallagher. Justin's the founder and director of research and innovation at Equinox, a UK-based technology company renowned for its powerful IP management system. Justin shares the story behind his unusual route into the IP industry and his passion for ongoing postgraduate education, including a master's in artificial intelligence. He shares some interesting stories about the journey from the initial concept into what we know as the Equinox IP management system today. I'm your host, Justin Simpson. I'm an Australian patent attorney and founder of Bill Trader. Welcome to Talking IP, a podcast for IP professionals featuring conversations that take you inside the professional lives and careers of global IP leaders and entrepreneurs. I hope you enjoy the show. Justin Gallagher, welcome to Talking IP. Hi, Justin. Nice to be here. Nice to see you. But uh, you've had a long and distinguished career and you you must enjoy the books a lot because uh, even as recently as uh, 2014, you were doing a PhD in mechanical engineering, something to do with rehabilitation, something to do with robotics. I couldn't even understand the title, but what was that all about and how did you get interested in that area? So I think education alongside building the business has always been a, a core principle. Um, so I decided that after a year of developing Equinox that I'd go back and, and do a part-time PhD. Robotics is something I've always been interested in, so background as a mechanical engineer. And yeah, I was interested in the healthcare setting. So we started to design robots that did physiotherapy for neurological conditions such as stroke or children with cerebral palsy. And it's essentially doing physiotherapy at home. Um, there's a massive need for home-based physiotherapy. Uh, there's certainly a lack of resource in the UK. And these robots help uh, exercise. The nice part about it, my part of the project was looking at adaptive algorithms uh, that, that basically mean these robots can adapt to the person as they rehabilitate. Um, so the more they get better, the less assistance it gives, which means the more that they can improve. And it, that was quite rewarding. And I, I found that being part of a university setting part-time actually gave me lots of inspiration and ideas for the business as well. And, and vice versa. So it was a really complimentary time for me to, to work on those, those different items at the same time. How do you fit in building a business and part-time study? And uh, I believe you've got a family, uh, a young family now. How do you juggle all those things? That's, a, that's a good question. I think I used to be a bit of a workaholic, to be honest, working um, all day, every day. It is a little bit different now. Um, I have a, a young boy and that changes things quite a lot. So nowadays my weekends are free. Um, so, so that's nice, but yeah, certainly it was a juggle at times. It just kind of all played out and worked out well together. The demands of the business meant I had to do quite a bit of traveling, but I could just fit that around my schedule and it just worked really well. I mean, you say you used to be a, uh, a workaholic, but I saw that even uh, this year you did a master's in artificial intelligence. That was, that was this year. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm still doing that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so that's something that's uh, it's ongoing. And uh, what is what is the interest in artificial intelligence? Does it relate to Equinox's products at all? Yeah, absolutely. I think, as we all know, artificial intelligence is a bit of a buzzword, but actually there's, there's real applications and real benefit, um, and particularly in the IP space. And I guess I learned something about myself that I wanted to learn artificial intelligence. So I I'd sit down for half an hour and, and try and figure it out. But actually, it's a bit more in-depth than that. And maybe I didn't have the discipline to, to follow it through. So I decided to do a, a course, which uh, meant that I had deadlines uh, and things to really kind of work towards. And it's, it's been good. I want to implement artificial intelligence systems. 
but I want to know what I'm doing. So I've gone down to the grassroots and uh, really learning it from the bottom up. Uh, and I will say, you know, that going back into some hard mathematics has been quite hard. The old brain's a bit rusty, is it? Uh, yeah, it's been a while since I've done some maths like that. Um, uh, but it's been quite rewarding as well. I, I did uh, computer science back in 1992 to 1994. And of course, the internet was invented in 1995. And so it was useless. But uh, we did a bit of a neural network programming. Uh, uh, what, do you, what do you see as the difference between machine learning and artificial intelligence, if there is one? Well, I, I would say machine learning is a subset of artificial intelligence. So artificial intelligence itself is, is quite broad and, and expanding. Machine learning is, is a popular area of AI. Uh, because it has real life applications that we can use um so neural networks you know artificial neural networks are, are very popular now and uh, they can really make a difference one of the things that, that we have in the ip world is loads and loads of data it's it's crazy how much data we have we used to be able to download every pattern since 1900 from google but <laughs> we tried it once but we didn't have a hard drive big enough to download it so um <laughs> it, yeah it's it's crazy how much information there is out there and there's whole concepts like pattern landscaping, um, all kinds of things that, that uh, they're there and they exist. But I think this is where machine learning will come in and, and really improve those areas. I think that uh, the searching and, and uh, uh, providing data in a, in a complex way, I think that's a great area for artificial intelligence, as well as the, uh, the robotics application you were talking about uh, before. But when people start talking about uh, an artificial intelligent being inventing something, that's been a bit of a buzzword at the moment. I'm a bit skeptical of that. I don't know what your views are. Yeah, I, it's a difficult area. And I know there's lots and lots of discussion around that. Having a, an AI as, a, as an inventor on an application um, I think recently there was a ruling by the EPO that it couldn't be an inventor, it, but it's still, I think, a, an area of topic. There's, as you study AI, one of the concepts is the, the mathematics and all the algorithms behind it, but there's a huge, huge um, focus on um, the ethics as well. And I think we need to maybe apply some ethics to, to AI in, in IP as well. Um, so that's, I think, an, an ongoing discussion um, that we're going to have for quite a while. Course, without ethics, you then get the Terminator scenario of Skynet taking over and eliminating human beings, which it was a great movie, but uh, problematic for the human race. Uh, yeah, and it's still possible. It's still possible. We <laughs> never know. Um, it's crazy. You look back at some old movies. Look at Star Trek. You know, we uh, we had um, all these these devices that you hold up to your mouth and communicate with somebody else. We use those every day now, don't we? So. Who knows? Was that where the iPad was invented? Uh, one of those shows had like a, a device that was like the iPad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we're going off topic now, but um, if you look at the film Die Hard, that was 1991, not in the 88 or something like that. And he goes into the Nakatomi Tower and he touches, um, he goes on a touchscreen TV. Like, fantastic. Who would have thought? <laughs> it was it was a great movie, one of my favourites. Bruce Willis can do no wrong. <laughs> All right, let's let's get back uh, way back into the the early days of your career, and uh, you you went into intellectual property in a little bit of an unusual way, straight out of university into co-founding a software firm. How, how did you uh, come across intellectual property in the first place? How did you learn about the industry, and how did you get in? Yeah, so I, I did my undergraduate degree in in uh, mechanical engineering. And after that, I actually moved to Japan for four years uh, and worked there as a software engineer. After that, I decided I'd, I would come home and, and I did a master's course at, at Leeds University. Uh, and when I was there, I, I met up with an IT manager, a guy called Graham, 
he was essentially a mutual friend who introduced his, me to Charlie Foote. And Charlie Foote had been working in the IP industry for well over 30 years. And he'd actually retired and he'd spent a, a while walking his dog every, every day, uh, but decided that he wanted to do something a bit more substantial. So we got together and we, we started designing the first version of, of Equinox. Back then it was called My Prompts, but we, we sat down and just came up with it. And over that summer, I, I programmed the first version and, and we had our first client by the end of the summer. So then we decided that we'd spend 12 months, give it a shot, see what happens. I basically spent every day programming in my bedroom for 12 months. And uh, we managed to gain, I think, about 10 or 12 clients that first year. Uh, it was a very basic system, but it did what was needed, uh, task-based management. And since then, that was the foundation that we've built upon uh, just to improve and make it better. So Charlie came with the IP knowledge. I came with the software engineering skills. And um, yeah, together, that's how we started. Well, they, they do say a lot of the most successful businesses have two uh, co-founders who bring something uh, new to the table. And you both, it sounds like you've a, a great combination. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's been great. I mean, obviously, I, I was quite new to the IP sector, but with the work that we were doing, it's something you pick up quite quickly. It wasn't long before I was explaining PCTs to people and how the process <laughs> should work as well. So, whether they were listening or not at parties is another question. But uh, that's right. That's right. Charlie Foot, obviously one of the co-founders of Harrison Goddard Foot, now HGF, very successful uh, company. What What was he like? I don't know. Is Is he still alive uh, around? I, I I'm not I'm not familiar he is, with yes. where he's at in life. <laughs> you both looked a lot younger uh, at the at the in the photos that I saw of uh, the start of the business. So I wasn't, wasn't on the website. Out. Yes. Yes, that wasn't my choice, that photo, but yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, um, no, Charlie's still around. He's um, uh, been retired from Equinox for uh, five or six years now. And he was semi-retired before that for a while. So he's just enjoying life. He's, um, he's got a camper van and, and he and his wife uh, tend to, to go on holidays. So Charlie's still a shareholder, still involved in our board meetings, our annual general meetings. I think, you know, Charlie's been a huge influence in terms of the, the skills that he brought to the business. And it's really nice that, that we could take all of that and he was able to retire and we were able to carry on with that. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a good journey. Starting out, uh, you said it was called My Prompts back in 2006, then it became Work Anywhere, and then it became Equinox. Uh, it sounds a little bit like uh, Novia that I started. It was originally uh, ozpatents.com, and then it was a pctfiler.com, rubbish name, and then it became novia.com. So things develop over time. What, what was it like back in 2006? What is my, my prompts all about way back then and in the, in the dark ages? Yeah. So Work Anywhere is our business name and, and our product name became My Prompts. And that's because it was a, a prompting system, um, essentially. The first version that we started selling was task-based prompting. Uh, we built in some basic laws, renewal deadlines, etc. So that was the name. But we, we soon added lots more features, document management systems, uh, finance systems, correspondence, the, the word my prompts didn't really fit. So what we used to do, actually, we used to send a, a newsletter twice a year on the Equinox. Our newsletter was called Equinox. And we actually went out for lunch one day and we said, we need a new name. And I said, well, how about Equinox? And we're like, no, 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 that's no good. No. Uh, so we spent the whole afternoon coming up with names and we decided in the end that Equinox was the best one. So. <laughs> <laughs> good decisions made every couple of beers at lunchtime. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and that was it. We, we rebranded as Equinox. The company name Work Anywhere still exists, but everybody knows us as Equinox. So, so that's our branding now. Uh, what, one client in the first uh, month, I think it was, 10 in the first uh, year. Was it always an online-based system? And how did you go from, I don't know, 
doing the programming to then trying to get sales. Uh, sales is a, is a quite a different thing to tackle than software development. Absolutely. We started as, as online. That was at the time, probably our USP in that respect. However, 2006, it was a different time. And we would go to companies and we would say, we're online. And they would go, oh. Is that secure? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was that a good idea? Later in life, 2010, uh, around then or something, we would go to people and say, we're online. And be like, oh, that's good. Um, <laughs> so so the, there was a challenge at the beginning to, to get that concept of security. You know, the idea of putting inventions into the cloud, you know, unfiled um, specifications, things like that was, was a bit of a crazy idea. But we managed to convince people that it was secure. And then once we had our basic system, we got our first clients essentially through connections and networking. And we were able to use that to expand by, by that network, asking for referrals, basically kind of word of mouth marketing. And that works really well. It does when you can get it. It's the cheap, the cheap kind of marketing. Salespeople have cost me a lot over the years, but uh, I guess uh, Charlie Foote had a good network and he was kind of the salesperson early on with his network. Yeah, certainly. And, and we had a, a, also a, a colleague, Michael Harrison, who he's the Harrison of HDF. He was very well connected. Um, he'd also been a patent attorney in the IP world for a long time. So he was able to get us some um, connections. And after that, we just really focused on looking after our subscribers, our clients. And we would, we would go and visit them quite often and say, how's it going? What do you want? What do you need? That's quite an unusual approach for a, uh, for a software firm, actual human contact. Yeah, well, I think that's that was part of our success that that we became we felt that we had a partnership with the people using our system. Um, yeah, like I said, we used to do lots of um, traveling and sit in people's offices, watch how they work, and, and see what they needed. We always said that we'd build a kind of the bare bones of a system and improve it based on on client needs, and that works really well. We got some some great partnerships with people who really were invested in the product as well. So that means that they were willing to come forward and put through their ideas, test our ideas. So we were, we were listening very hard to what people wanted, but we we're also trying to think ourselves like what's needed in the industry, what can we push some boundaries uh, and things like that. So this concept of trying to bring everything online, we had a concept of you should only be in one system. So looking at like interconnectivity with different systems, I must admit that's not something that was as easy back in the day. It's much easier now, for example, our integration with Build Trader, and but we're also looking at yeah, how can we implement technology into the IP world? The IP world is is very established, but um, it's not always at the forefront of uh, technology in in these respects. So um, that was something we wanted. It is a bit ironic, is it not, that patent attorneys are, are dealing with people's inventions, the cutting edge every day, and yet their own adoption of technology is more like the opposite end of the spectrum. Yes. Yes, we, we've seen some examples of that, yes. Um, but that's that's great. That's why we're here, to to try and help with that. I think your attitude of listening to clients is a, is an excellent one. Uh, whenever I've, I've launched a product and I've thought, well, this is what it should be, when you go to the market, the market tells you, oh, no, no, I want to use it that way or it's completely different. How, how did Equinox change from your initial ideas to, to later on based on people's feedback? Yeah, I well, so we, we wanted to put this system together and I think, the clients took us in, in directions that we didn't necessarily um, think we would go. There was a lot of uh, correspondence that became really important. We didn't think was so important, but actually building that in the system was a, was a real advantage. So, so listening to people was, was correct. Um, 
that really helps. And then integrating that with uh, Microsoft Office, for example, so you can have a streamlined process. You can just click a button, save your document into Equinox without having to drag and drop like the old days. That really took us in that direction that we weren't necessarily thinking of. But yeah, it, it works really well. Certainly with finance as well, um, we always thought we'd have a very simple or, or not really need to be, have a finance system. But that became really important to be integrated with your tasks and your documents. And then, of course, I mean, we're not a, an accounting package, but then the integrations with accounting packages became important as well. Um, so, yeah, the, the directions were definitely there, um, powered by the users. As you went along, uh, was there anything that you did that you thought, well, let's go in this direction and then found that it was wrong or a, a complete failure? I, I remember when I was building an overview, I, I thought I needed to create a whole lot of different classifications. It was a PCT Filer Gold and PCT Filer Express. One was an elite brand and one was a junior one. No one ever understood what they were. And we took so much time explaining what they were. I eventually just abandoned them. I don't know if you made any errors along the way. We've been quite um, lucky in that respect, actually. Because we've had that that network of people who are willing to support our ideas and move forward, it's really allowed us to focus on what we think is is actually a, a good idea. The last few years, we've we've actually been working very hard on uh, building workflow engine into the system. Um, so this is for our larger enterprise clients who really want like a regime of process to go through the whole patent lifecycle or trademark lifecycle. We've built this workflow engine, uh, and that was. That was hard because it was really complicated. And there were a couple of avenues we went down that, that probably shouldn't have made it too complicated or um, possibly too customizable, which is an issue that if you give lots of possibilities, then then it might be used in not necessarily the way it was intended in the first place. Um, so, yeah, but otherwise, I think we've been we've been really successful in, in, in listening to people and, and providing what they need. Is a very difficult thing, I think, to build a software technology that is simple. Uh, so, as you say, getting too complex and having 15 options, it might be better to have three options and then people understand which way to go. That's right. And, and that's some of our core principles from the very beginning that we've stuck with. For example, we have a rule that a task can only belong to one person. A lot of companies come back and say, oh, well, can it also belong to this person and this person? And we're like, well, no, because it's a task and it belongs to somebody. And we have features where you can move tasks to somebody else and apply notes, et cetera. But I think that's a principle that works really well because then it's clear. We know who's responsible. Uh, we know whose action should be taken. And th those guiding principles, I think, have stuck with us quite well through the years. So there's a, a balance between listening to your clients and sometimes saying, no, that, that's not in your best interest. You shouldn't do it that way. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. And sometimes people have a strong voice and, and, and we listen. I think we used to have this concept of, of we don't um, always saying yes. Um, so somebody come with an idea and we would say, yes, that's a, an idea. Uh, and we will, <laughs> we will like explore it and, and do everything we can to, to make the idea happen. Sometimes the answer is we've explored it and it, we think it's not a good idea, but we said yes at the first place to, you know, we took it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm listening to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a very positive way of doing it. It's uh, <laughs> But yeah, sometimes, especially the older firms, they come with a lot of legacy processes and we ask, why do you do it that way? And they say, well, it's always been done that way, but that's not necessarily the best way. Um, so, you know, there, there's, there's change management, which is a part of taking on a new um, IP system as well. You've got to kind of break the mold sometimes. 
You do, and it sometimes depends on who the person is on the other side. Sometimes I know people who've been in an accounting uh, department for a while, they don't want to change. They don't like change too much. And so uh, something a new funky online system like yours might have had some resistance from some internal individuals. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We've seen that. And that's also part of what we do as well is that that connection is to convince people that it's a good idea. Now, you talked about integrations a little while ago. What's Equinox's attitude generally to integrating with other third-party systems? We think it's crucial. We do IP case management, document management. We're an IPMS system. We're not a search provider. We're not a, a, we're not a build trader. We, we can't do those, those functions. We don't want to. We're busy enough doing what we're doing. So these integrations are crucial. And, and as I mentioned, we had this concept from the early days that, that you could do everything in one system. That doesn't necessarily mean that, that we're providing that service. Um, but if we can link in with those services, like Build Trader to, to automate the, the, the flow of, of um, agents' um, invoices, for example, that, that's something that's great. And with a click of a button, we can make that happen. Um, so that's, that's fantastic. And I think that's the future. And for us to scale and get bigger, we need these integrations. I know we found obviously when uh, when uh, doing the integration with you guys, it was actually dead simple. You had a really good API, all the documentation was there. There was actually very little interaction between our teams because it was, uh, you gave us some codes, we looked at your documentation and pretty much it worked. Yes, yes. I, I remember the first meeting we had and you were like, oh, is that it? I'm like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, <laughs> is that all I have to do? <laughs> yeah, what else do you need? That's it. So yeah, but that's how it should be. That's That's the power of APIs. I mean, we can build secure systems. That's that's crucial. After that, connecting systems should be as straightforward as that. Mm. And I think we have a advantage that we're just dealing with finances. So numbers uh, are very are things that computers like dealing with. Here's a field with a number. Let's give it to you. Let's put it into the system or, or vice versa back to us. Yes, that makes it easy. It does become more complicated with different things. So, for example, we've, we've implemented um, three different renewals integrations recently with uh, three different providers and it's it's difficult uh, something as simple as the api on their end might be provide the filing number they say well what format do you want the filing number in would you like the check digit do you want the country code in there you know, there's so many variations certainly the official offices even have variations on filing numbers the pct filing number i think has about four or five different official versions um, and of course, everybody uses those different versions differently. So that's that's a real challenge. So consistency of data is is key to making these integrations a bit more smooth. And so if you've got three different parties you're dealing with, they don't have different ages of technology. Some of the older ones are, don't even have APIs. You've got to write a, a special script to get involved. How did you merge those three concepts? Yes, I, um, uh, I think... I'm not sure we would commit to an integration like that anymore. Um, <laughs> so luckily, these providers all had APIs. Okay. Um, gr granted, some of them were quite new, um, but that was okay because, you know, we, we can be there and, and test it out as we go as well. Yeah, so kind of, yeah, modern, restful APIs are the way forward, I would say. And anyone who doesn't have one should have one uh, soon so they can integrate with Equinox or Build Trainer. Um, absolutely, yeah. This isn't a public service announcement. Get your APIs sorted. <laughs> Get your APIs here. <laughs> Stepping back to a couple of years ago, uh, COVID has obviously affected the world in a, a significant way. How did it affect uh, Equinox in, in terms of our sales or, or access to your product or take-up? Uh, how did it affect you? Yes, I mean, obviously a, a horrible time for us all. We were quite lucky as a, as a technology company 
in the way that we dealt with COVID. We, we had a seamless transition to work from home. So that internally was, was no issue. Um, and obviously it's had a, a huge knock-on effect to how we work now. In terms of sales, the, we did see there was a pause. I think everybody was pausing and, and waiting to see what was going to happen. We always have lots of um, uh, people interested in the pipeline. I think there was definitely a noticeable pause there. But shortly afterwards, once people got into the rhythm of working at home and working remotely, it picked back up again. So we didn't have such an adverse um, reaction to, to the COVID itself in terms of sales and marketing. Um, it, it, it worked quite well for us um, because we were able to do more online as a result that we would have maybe done face-to-face before. We used to do a lot of traveling and it's changed the way we do it now. And everybody's kind of accepting of, uh, of online nowadays. So I don't want to say COVID was a good thing, but certainly there were some interesting elements that came out of it. And is that now that it's, well, it's not over, but it's, uh, we're, we're in a, a different phase of the COVID uh, pandemic. Back when you started Equinox, going online or the cloud was just unheard of. Have you seen a, a greater acceptance of uh, online technology such as your platform? Yes, definitely. I think people understand the benefit of cloud-based technology now. Um, particularly some of the, the the older firms that were stuck in their ways um, understand that technology is, is in the cloud. So we've seen a big uptake of, of things like um, uh, Microsoft's Office 365. So people are moving all of that into the cloud. And it's a good opportunity then also to outsource their, their IPMS and put that in the cloud as well. And of course, we integrate with Office 365 as well. So the whole thing sits nicely as a as an embedded framework. We had a, a build rate Pretty similar experience, a pause in sales. No one was going on these international conferences, which is where we were getting most of the work. Uh, but actually, one of our largest clients had been just dabbling in using us. But then with their staff distributed, they couldn't handle the capture of uh, invoices from a remote location. They couldn't hand them around the office or print them out. So all of that work came to us. So that was actually a big boost uh, for us going straight online. So uh, COVID wasn't great, but in that sense, it, it was good. Yes, fantastic. About a week after we recorded our interview with Justin, we saw the announcement of the acquisition of Equinox by Questel, one of the world's leading providers of intellectual property solutions. So we recorded another interview with Justin to ask him about that journey and experience, including what the future holds for Equinox. Here's part two of my conversation with Justin. Justin Gallagher, thanks for rejoining the show. It was uh, it was only a week after we last spoke and the exciting news broke of Equinox being bought by Questel. So firstly, congratulations. Thank you. Thanks very much. Yeah, it's uh, very exciting times. Very exciting. I know when I was selling my businesses, you're, you're all nervous up until the last dot is signed and RT crossed. So it was probably a bit of a nerve wracking time last time we spoke. It was a bit. Unfortunately, I couldn't talk about it much then. But um, yeah, there was there was certainly lots going on. Um, some late nights and some early mornings. But yeah, it was great. It was it was a fun process. I learned a lot during that as well. Well, we're, we're keen to hear, hear all about it and we'll get through some of the details. Yeah, sounds good. So, uh, I mean, obviously, Questel is a very well-known uh, company in the industry and it looks to me like they've been having a strategy of becoming the next CPA Global over the last few years. Lots of acquisitions of, of great companies like yours. What's your thoughts on, on where Equinox fits into the Questel plan? Well, we think it's a really good positioning, actually. So one of the things that, that Questel did have but didn't have in, in, in full was an IPMS system. So what's really nice is that we can kind of sit in the middle of the ecostructure and actually link off to all of the different services and of different software that Questel provide. So it, it's, it's a great position to be in because we're that, that front end to it all. As we talked about in, our, in the last session, 
uh, we want Equinox to be a platform that you can basically do every, everything in all of your work. You can um, link in and we have seamless integrations such as with BuildTrader. And that's the whole idea is of building that. And, and joining the Questel group gives us quite a, an advantage in terms of um, the offerings that we can give, the connections, and also geographically into markets that we've never been in before, such as the US, which is where we've never been quite large. But And, and certainly things like um, Asia, so Japan and China, these are brand new markets for us. Um, so there's lots of opportunity there. And of course, there's the whole difference between the, the corporate space and, and the, the private practice law firm space. So it's kind of bringing those two worlds together as well, which is quite exciting. Yeah, that's, that was that was what, something that intrigued me a little bit. I mean, Questel uh, seems to be a bit more known for catering to the big end of town in terms of the, the corporates, but not so much in terms of the law firm. I don't know whether this is a move that signals that they're trying to change that and, and get more of the law firm market. That's right. Yeah. So this is, a, I think, a good opportunity for, for Questel and for Equinox. We've been in the corporate space marginally, just basically through word of mouth, um, building up um, some connections. But that gives Equinox a real opportunity to, to cater more for corporate firms. And likewise, yeah, Questel, it opens up a whole new market in terms of private practice law firms for them. And that's something they've been working on. But I think this gives uh, a real advantage for, for moving forward with that. I think it uh, looks like a really mutually beneficial uh, arrangement. They've got such a big network and, and lots of muscle and funds behind to expand your client base, but uh, you've got a great tool that's very easy to integrate with, speaking from uh, personal experience. So I, I think it'll work very well. Do you have a, any, like, kind of when you become a president, it's your first 100 days, is there a first integration project or a first working together that you have in mind between the two entities? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've hit the ground running. So we're building in various features such as, We've done an internationalization piece on, on translations so that Equinox can be used in various languages. So European languages, Asian languages. Um, so that's about to be released. We're doing integrations with uh, IP offices. So that allows us to do uh, basically validation of data, also um, kind of scraping of data, bringing in data, creating cases. Uh, so that's a really neat feature. Um, we're looking at all kinds of things such as forecasting and um, financial forecasting and um, budgeting systems yeah there's, there's there's a whole host of things going on and they're all set to be released relatively soon so <laughs> <laughs> you thought when you sold your company you'd be uh, taking a bit of time off but i think they're going to be keeping you busy for a while absolutely yeah i think it's quite the opposite it's it's um, full steam ahead but you know it's just because there's lots of opportunities and we want to kind of be there with the product i think with equinox we've spent a lot of time building the product base up um, and what's nice is we're able to integrate different features and, 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 and different aspects quite quickly. Um, so that's a real benefit. And then, yeah, moving forward, I think there's going to be lots of opportunity. I know uh, you, you built the whole system from the ground up in the cloud before the cloud was really the cloud. Uh, so I know compared to a lot of the legacy systems, the ability to integrate, I'm sure it's going to be a lot easier than, uh, than with some other products. So uh, you're in a good spot, it seems to me. I'm, I'm very interested as, a, as an entrepreneur and business owner about the whole sale process. I mean, how did it start? Did you start shopping yourselves around? Did they reach out to you? What, what was the beginning of the, that sale process? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. So when we started doing an integration with a company called Pavis, Pavis is a renewals provider, and uh, that was going really well. And I think because um, Pavis was recently acquired by Questel as well. Um, so that basically put us on the map in terms of Questel. And, and then just kind of by chance, we just met up with Charles, who, who's the CEO of Questel, um, had a breakfast with him and just a general chat. And it all just kind of came from there, really. We weren't particularly looking for anything. I think there was some strength in independence, but 
it was nice to, to, to have some, some connection like that. And I think what we found was that as we talked, our values actually quite similar. And that was really important to us. So as a value-based company, you know, we care about our people, our staff, and, and we want that to continue. And it, it all seemed to fit quite well. So, yeah, that merge of cultures, it, it was something that kind of developed over about um, six to nine months. And then, yeah, we went for it. That's always, it's always a concern when uh, the new buyers, you don't really know them that well. Obviously, uh, they're saying all the right things, but uh, it is important that your people are looked after because they're the ones who helped you build the company and uh, to continue on. So, so far, you're only like a month in, is it? Uh, two months in? Uh, is it going all right About so far? Months, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're still finding our way. Um, obviously, there's a lot of new people to me, understand uh, structures, hierarchies, um, how things work. But on the whole, it's it's, it's going great. It's great to kind of extend our, our network of, of people that we work with. So we've got our staff here in Leeds and, and they're all great. But now we've got people connected in America and Australia and, and China and Japan. And it's, it's great to have that internationalization feel. We feel part of a big team. Now, I know uh, uh, going into a, a new sale process, if you don't have competition in the in the mix, it's hard to get the, the best price. I don't know whether you had a broker to help you advise you or whether you just sort of thought, well, that sounds about right. How did you come to the conclusion yourself that it was the right price? And did you have any advisors with you? Yeah, we, we had our own internal advisors, really. And that was great. So we had a, a company, um, ABC, who are a consultancy business who helped us out in the early stages. That was followed on by... Ward Hadaway, who's a law firm um, in New Yorkshire, and they they were great, along with Azet, our accountants, um, and that that little team that we put together kind of drove the whole process. Uh, it, it was great to have professionals on board. You know, there's certain language that um, is is quite unique to these kind of um, things. So, again, something that I, I learned along the way, but I certainly didn't understand it at the beginning. So, having advisors is is very important. It is. It is. And, and it starts us off. Uh, it's a simple deal uh, over breakfast. Uh, he, here's a number or here's a framework. Then it gets to a, a one page of term sheet. But in the end, it's 100 pages, 200, 300 pages. How big was the document in the end? I think, yeah, about 150 pages, maybe. What's your role going to be in the new organization? Are you, are you just uh, still looking after Equinox or is there some kind of integration role uh, broader amongst Questile? What, what have they got planned for you? Um, no, so the management team at Equinox remains the management team. Um, so we we basically still run Equinox, still run the business. Obviously, alongside Questel, we have regular contact and board meetings. But uh, yeah, the management team here is still fully in charge. So yeah, it's it's just more of the same, but but different. My role in particular is going to look at a little bit more at the corporate firms and the corporate side of things, because that's a little bit new in terms of, of the quantity. But yeah, otherwise things are generally going on the same. Very good, very good. And and thinking about your, uh, I guess, your staff, we talked about the culture, them fitting into uh, the Questel group. What do you see f- as, a, as a benefit for the customers of Equinox that this merger can bring? I think there's, there's lots of benefits, particularly around the integrations that are possible, integrating into different services and software, things that, that would take us years to develop ourselves. I mean, we've had ideas in our roadmap for a long time, but... Now we can implement those within months rather than years. Just having the the kind of backing of, of such a large company like Questel, the internationalization, the, the, the network that we can build. We've always had with Equinox that there's a network of people uh, and that network suddenly becomes a lot bigger and that, that gives benefit to everyone. Yeah, I just think everything we're able to offer, we can do more of it in a way that, that, that everybody wins, I think. 
it's a it's always a challenge building your own company, having your own IT team. There's only so many things you can put on the development pipeline. Sounds like you've got a great uh, extra resource to accelerate all of that. That's right. Yeah, just having just different resources, different people to speak to, different ideas. It, it's it is really great. Uh, it's a great opportunity for everyone. We still have our internal development team who are working on all kinds of, of, of products and integrations. So far, it's working very well. Good to hear. And you, you've mentioned integration. I'm going to ask a selfish question. Obviously, we've recently done a Bill Trader Equinox integration where we push our foreign agent invoices into your system seamlessly. We're still keeping that alive, aren't we? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's a great integration for us. Just wanted to check on that one. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we're, not, we're not bound by the integrations that we make. Obviously, we're doing lots of um, internal integrations with Questel um, features, but things like yourself, Bill Trader, is, is a great integration for us to have. That's something we'll continue and promote. That sounds good. And I might uh, might check in in a few months' time to see if there's any of those big corporates, because we haven't, actually haven't experimented with big corporates before, but they have accounts payable. They need to get into their system somehow. So maybe we'll, uh, we'll do a test case in a few months' time. Sounds like a good idea. So in our last interview, as you were building Equinox uh, from the ground up, you were perhaps in the early days a bit of a workaholic. Uh, now that there's a bit of cash in your pocket, I'm guessing 50% or, or, or whatever, are you going to be working as hard or are you going to be going on long holidays or what's the future of the next few years? It's a difficult question, but I think um, ultimately that there's no difference. It's nice to be in a, a nice position, but yeah, for me, it's uh, it's all about the work anyway, so I'm looking forward to, to what we can achieve with Equinox. So that's kind of my focus. So apart from getting married in, in April. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, that's, that's about all I've got planned. Well, I, I hope uh, you managed to uh, fish out a, a bigger ring than you'd previously planned a year ago with this, uh, with this deal anyway. She at least gets a, a bigger rock. So <laughs> I hope that goes well. I wish you all the best with uh, the next few months and years at uh, Questel and I really look forward to seeing where it goes. Thanks so much, Justin. It's been great talking to you. All the best. That's it for our latest episode of Talking IP. And thanks to my guest, Justin Gallagher. Thank you for joining us, and please reach out to connect with me on LinkedIn, where we'll share updates on the release of each episode. Talking IP is brought to you by BillTrader, the fintech solution that's purpose-built for IP firms. To learn more, visit BillTrader.com. In Episode 7, I'll be joined by Olaf Fickett, Managing Partner at Boulder IP. Olaf shares how and why he chose to make Spain his home, his journey into the IP industry, and what drove him to establish Boulder IP.